welcome to the Marvel Cinecast for Iron Man 3. I'm joined this week by Tony. I'm not wearing any pants. And, <laughs> and Scott. I am fully clothed, as a matter of fact. That is good to know. So, um, we've gone through Phase 1, we've assembled the Avengers, and what do you do for a follow-up? You bring back the man who started it all. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's some disassembly in this film. There's a lot of disassembly in this film. Some, some, some disassembly required. Yeah, especially when we get to Definitely China. So. <laughs> but we do bring back Tony Stark, Iron Man, who started us off with Phase 1. And it, it seems appropriate for him to be the person who kicks us off with Phase 2 and the post-Avengers world. I will say this much, just kind of jumping into the deep end. I honestly didn't think, like, I get what they're trying to go for, but this film isn't a great follow-up to the Avengers. Like, they give Tony this post-traumatic stress disorder, which is the most random thing in the entire movie. I don't necessarily know what triggers it. It seems to be triggered by little kids. <laughs> that's that's yeah, what I'm triggered do. by every time I see kids. Because, <laughs> yeah, the first time it happens, he's signing an autograph and he has a panic attack. It happens again when he's talking to his little, his BFF for the movie. And I think it happens again when he's on the phone with him. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I mean, it, on, uh. in, in all three of those moments, the, you know, the uh, uh, wormhole was mentioned. So I, I don't think it's the kids. I think it's just Siebel mentioning the wormhole. I think it's the kids. I mean, have you ever it's seen the kids, kids? Probably the kids, for sure. <laughs> they terrify me. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's the wormhole and stuff. It's just, it's, it seems so weird. Because, and I could be wrong again, this, it's not really resolved by the end of the film. He's just like, I'm cool now. Yeah, yeah I mean, I a, guess it's it not weird really... Shift. Yeah, it's, but it's not one of those things that you just kind of get over. Um, I always thought it, it's, it's always weird to see Tony Stark be serious at any time. Because it's like, it doesn't play well. And I know Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor, and he can definitely play serious. But it's almost as if when playing Tony Stark, he can't do it. I don't know why. I, I guess maybe it's just the way the character is. But I never buy it, you know. And, and likewise, yeah, it was, it was it was awkward like when, and forced. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of that is also, and this is something we did, we talked about with um, the Avengers, a lot of a lot of the seriousness of this film is usually undercut by some sense of humor, because you can never get too dark. I mean, like he go, he spends the middle portion of the movie hanging out in Tennessee with like this ten year old kid, and a lot of their interactions is kind of humorous in nature. It's kind of antagonistic between them. And it's like, yes, he's going through this whole ordeal. He's separated from all of the people he actually loves, like Pepper and Rhodey. And they don't know if he's alive or dead. And that's actually not something that's played up a ton in this film. <laughs> he gets, he finds out that he's dead via the newspaper. And you don't really get to see anybody mourn. You see them get relief when he's alive. Yeah, you don't I, I, see anybody yeah. mourn. How fast did that newspaper get printed? Because instantly, like they heard Tony was dead and they just, just printed like, and distributed like he flew away that night and in a couple hours there was a newspaper like nobody even they're just like yeah he's dead <laughs> like nobody they didn't look for him they didn't i mean nothing didn't call him they well, like mean, probably dead probably he's been gone for 2 hours probably dead yeah i'm surprised that they they called it so soon because he went missing before for months and they found him so surprised yeah. they didn't <laughs> give him that much benefit of the doubt this time but they have to keep like, on pronouncing. They have to keep on pronouncing Tony Stark dead, or he'll he'll never resurrect himself. But yeah, I didn't even think about that because I assumed it was the next day. But you're right. He gives in the newspaper that night when he breaks into his little yeah. shack, which I don't know. What, what I don't know. A ten year old kid has a newspaper in the middle of the night. Well, you know what's interesting is that when the kid when the kid walked in on him. He didn't. He didn't have a newspaper. And then when it came up for him to say something, he just pulls one out of nowhere and hands it to him. And I'm like, 
does this kid just walk around with a newspaper in his back pocket or not only that, but a newspaper yeah. that was specifically targeted for Tony Stark, even though he didn't know who was in his jack. It's like, oh, you're dead. I just happened to have this newspaper with you on the front cover. And you then know, he asks, happened. and then like a, a minute or so later, he asks what his name is. And it's like, bro, you just handed him the newspaper with his name on it. It's yeah. weird. I don't know. There's definitely some disjointed writing in this film, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. and I guess because it's always weird that we start was we always start somewhere in the middle of a film. We might as well start. I mean, this film actually, and I mentioned this before. Phase one films, a lot of them start with something that happens at the start in the middle of the movie, and this actually starts really quickly with a scene that happens in the middle of the movie with his house being attacked. But it actually jumps back to 1999 with him at a. Is it in Germany? He's at a summit. Switzerland. Um, Switzerland. Switzerland. Yes, I met yeah. Tony Stark. I've had a bit to drink last night as well. <laughs> I remember the night, not the morning. And this is where we're, <laughs> we're kind of introduced to um, two of the film's antagonists. Uh, Maya Henson, played by Rebecca Hall, and Aldrich Killian, who's played by Guy Pierce, who I keep on mistaken for Val Kilmer throughout this film. Val Kilmer? Old school Jumbo Valkyrie. I was going to say he's got like a Brad Pitt kind of thing going on. Like an, he's like an ugly Brad Pitt. But like yeah. an ugly Brad Pitt. But yes, <laughs> we start off with him being injured, and he has something that he wants to talk to. I, I was kind of curious about this. Was Tony interested in his work? Because it did seem like Tony took some interest in it. But I don't know if he was no. trying to get rid of him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It, you know, because the guy was like, would not leave them alone. So he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to meet you on the roof in five minutes. Wait for me there. And then it's like, oh, God, get rid of him. Thank goodness. And then, you know, I, that's all it was. He was. I don't think he really cared. I mean, he wasn't even really interested in the girls, um, you know, work he was just interested in her so yeah yeah i don't think he actually showed any i don't think he actually felt any real interest in a game at all okay i I, okay then i guess i read it wrong i was like because it did seem like he was because i mean he gets the girl and then they do end up talking science so i'm like maybe he's just a huge science nerd who likes to get his rocks off once in a while no, I, I, I mean, I read it as he was just trying to do what had to be done to get where he wanted to get. <laughs> yeah, I think he's the guy who so. enjoys getting his rocks off and then likes to have science sometimes. And that's what I felt. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so 1999, New Year's, Switzerland. You meet all the characters. Then where did it cut to after that? It goes to the current day with him current. working on, on his it's the Mark 42. Oh, yes, yes, yes. When he's flipping out, hasn't slept in three days, and is yes, obsessed yes. In, with his work. And you get this speech from him. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to the birthing suite. I'm pleased to announce the imminent arrival of your bouncing, badass baby brother. Which, after watching this film, I don't think Mark 42 is the badass baby brother at all. It is probably his worst suit because he can't keep it on for all, at any point in this film. Well, I yeah. mean, it's definitely, it, it definitely has its issues, but that's, you know, as Jarvis said pretty early on, it's like, you know, it's not complete. It's still a prototype. So I, I appreciate the concept. I mean, it's, it's super cool in, in concept, but it definitely needs some work. And he, and he does some cool stuff with it later on, for sure. Yeah, he yeah, does. Well, I mean, I think... I, I feel like, I mean, a part of it is... Maybe cynical. Part of it does seem like it was them like, okay, we have Robert Downey Jr. and we pay him big money, so let's see him as often as we can. So they tried to keep him out of the suit as much as possible in this f- film, which I thought was an odd decision. And I think it, it... I mean, it makes for a kind of fun climax, but it's also really weird because he just kind of hops from suit to suit to suit throughout the climax. I thought that was pretty interesting, though, how they how they played that off with the whole uh, uh, party mode engaged with all the suits flying everywhere and just showing how powerful Aldrich Killian actually was with the extremists 
how he could just take on Tony basically any suit that he had on. And even when he blew him up, he was still fine. But yeah, they definitely, you can definitely tell that they were trying to get uh, Robert Downey Jr. on screen as much as possible outside of the CGI Iron Man suit. Every five seconds, he was popping out of one. Well, yeah, which I I didn't necessarily dislike that idea because, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, they probably did it because they're paying him a ton of money to be in this film. But also, I think it humanizes the character more. You know, if you if he's constantly, you know, in his suit and, you know, you never really see him or, you know, get to kind of feel what he's going through, then it, it can definitely take away from the human aspect of the film. So I, I, I can appreciate why they did it. And uh, there, there were some moments where it was strange, like the whole James Bond sequence of events, where it was like, really? <laughs> okay. Like all of a sudden, okay. he's a ninja assassin with... It's okay. That's kind of weird. Okay, can can we talk about this real quick? Because this bothered me during the climax. Because we have the scene when he's breaking into the Mandarin's um, base, and he's like super stealth action. Tony Stark. He's kicking everybody's ass. Yeah. He's killing them. He's shooting them. Great aim. And then the climax come, and he can't shoot a gun. He, he he's really clumsy and goofy, and Rhodey's making fun of him. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense in the scene you had us set up earlier, where he doesn't have his suit. And apparently he's some really well-trained martial artist or something now. And now the dude can't shoot a gun. He can't spot people. I'm like, he just broke into a base on his own. And now he has cover and a partner. And now he's a cutz who doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah, that that is that was weird. Um, you just don't understand don't the mind of Tony Stark, clearly. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm not a playboy billionaire philanthropist genius. You know, yeah. it is what it is. But yeah, um, I, I and this <laughs> not the same problem with Iron Man as Iron Man Two, but the plot is also kind of incidental. Like the only reason he gets involved with the plot is because Rhodey gets involved with the plot, and Rhodey only gets involved with the plot because he thinks Pepper may be stepping out on Tony, and not because he thinks this man is super evil. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. also kind of strange because um, I don't know if we mentioned this. On the show, we mentioned this before the show. This is actually directed by Shane Black, who is different from the first two Iron Man films. And the only problem with that is the Iron Man director was Happy, who was in the first two films, and they had to keep him around. You can't just recast him, or you could. So they kind of got rid of him for most of the film. Yeah, they were like, Mm -hmm. ah, crap, we have to put him in here. Uh, uh, Put him in a coma. (laughs) Let's let's not not have anything to do with him for the entire film. But some of the some of his moments were actually really funny. I mean, um, I enjoyed his character. Definitely uh, um, lightened up the film, and then you know brought some seriousness to it when um, inevitably he was injured, and then Tony had to go and kind of avenge his fallen comrade. So I, I, I enjoyed. And then what he doesn't check up on him for the rest of the film. <laughs> like you don't uh, even see Tony there not, when when Happy he, wakes up. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He he had other things. He's got important <laughs> Tony Stark stuff to do. Yeah, he's got to go be a billionaire genius playboy. Okay. <laughs> okay, and this is this is again jumping way to the end. This is something that bothered me the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. If he could have gotten a surgery to take the sharp, sharp nose out of his chest, why didn't he do that from the get go? I don't get the purpose. Oh, yeah, you know, now I think I should do it. Maybe he didn't have. Yeah, that. I, re- I don't know. There was no point in the film that they, as far as I know, that it made it seem like he something changed for him to be able to get it now. No. Well, no, uh, I don't think they explained to do it. it like, but, yeah. Maybe he, maybe, like they definitely didn't explain any of this. But I think it's either, it's either that they didn't have the technology for whatever reason, or Tony just all that time thought that that was part of him. And he didn't want to give that up until, I don't know, he overcame his post-traumatic stress disorder in Iron Man 3. Not but that doesn't sure. even make sense for Iron, that doesn't make sense for Iron Man 1 or 2 because he wasn't suffering from PTSD then. 
Um, the only thing, the only explanation I've heard that could make sense, and like you said, they don't really mention it in the film, is that he might have taken a light form of the extremis, so he knew that he like he would regenerate and he wouldn't die during the surgery. But they never called that out. No. As far as I know, the only fancy tech they have is a giant magnet, and I'm pretty sure that happened. That existed way before, and it's not even a giant magnet. It's a. It's yeah, a pretty no, small I don't magnet. think he. Yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with extremis at all. But I, I don't know. It just it, it, it is. It doesn't make any sense. A lot of things in this movie don't make sense, and it feels like they just. I don't know what they were thinking. I guess they just wanted to wrap up the character in a certain way. Um, I really don't know why why they took certain routes throughout the film, like we mentioned with him getting the surgery at the end with Pepper. Pepper Potts becoming some, becoming basically, this becoming Pepper Potts 3 instead of Iron Man 3. Um, you know, what they did with the Mandarin. I mean, a lot of it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, why why would you go through the, I mean, some of it works. Like, I didn't, I wasn't too bothered by the Mandarin thing. I know, I know a lot of people were, but it's like, why? You didn't, totally didn't have to do that at all. That was, you know, there, there's no reason. It doesn't make any sense, but I don't know. Yeah, which is which I think is doubly weird because they made a point. They pretty much told you that Aldrin was the bad guy during the first act of the film. It's something that they revealed to the audience really early in the film. Yeah. So it's not even like, oh man, we have to keep the illusions that we have another bad guy. Like, no, you told us Aldrin is yeah, the bad the guy. Only, like the, the only difference is that originally you're like, oh, Aldrin works for the Mandarin. And it's like, no, no, no. It's the other way around. <gasps> Shocker. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Like, we already knew that they are both bad guys. What difference does it make the the organization structure? Like, what? That doesn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter who's in charge at that point. Just, yeah, they're both yeah. bad. I already knew that. Thanks for the heads up. Because he is the Mandarin. Um, yeah, but, it's just yeah. pointless. I don't get it. I really don't get it. There's, there's so many things they do in this film that it's just like, I I don't know. I don't know. They were all drunk. Yeah, they were but like, <laughs> but, I mean, throwing ideas. I mean, and I always hate this because we did the same thing with the Avengers. But, I mean, just this is something that bothered me the first time I saw it. And it's not something that bothers me like, oh, this is terrible. It bothers me like it made no sense. I didn't get why they made the decision. This film was set at Christmas time. Oh, God. And it really doesn't use the Christmas setting for anything. It's not even like snowing for most of the film. It's yeah, kind of like how the really first Die Hard movie, it, how Die Hard, it takes place on like Christmas Eve. Well, or, or something. but that okay, makes right. sense. The original, the original Die Hard kind of. is a Christmas movie. Well, don't get it twisted. No, no, no. Don't get it twisted. The original Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's okay. a Christmas movie. But Iron, Man 3, act, act, Iron Man 3 Act 2 is a Christmas movie. Or the Christmas act. Acts one and three are definitely not. Like, it's only when he's in Tennessee in the town and, like, at the bar that it's like, oh, hey, it is Christmas. And then it's kind of like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean to, to draw a comparison, not necessarily, not to Die Hard, because I do think Die but I would say even something like Batman Returns, which is another comic book movie set at Christmas time, at least Batman Returns uses the aesthetic of Christmas to tie in to the events of the movie. I mean, it is about kind of family and, you know, the tree lighting ceremony is a big part of it and how chaos and crime is affecting Gotham during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Iron Man doesn't use any of that. It's not like he's attacking the homeland during Christmas, during the mm-hmm. sacred holiday or anything like it. It's like, it's Christmas. He got Pepper a giant teddy bear she doesn't like and that's the Christmas element. And he isn't to the Christmas theme when he's suiting up for the first time. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know. It, again, it's just something that they wrote into the film for no reason at all. I really don't. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. But uh, these these things didn't make it necessarily bad. They were just weird things that they chose to do with the writing that didn't make sense. But they weren't necessarily bad. Like I was saying with Mandarin, I, it, it was it was okay. Like it wasn't. I know a lot of people were upset about it because it's like, oh, that's not how Mandarin is really in the comic books. This isn't a comic book. This is a different universe. This is the cinematic universe. They can do whatever they want with characters. You know, they don't have to follow the same origins or you know anything like that. But it's just, it's just none of it made any sense. I, I don't know. Yeah. See, this is my problem, and this is, I don't care if you make changes from an 
for, for an adaptation because, I mean, that's the point. You want something that's going to be interesting in a movie and this is a movie, not a comic book and there's a, you know, a lot of that stuff with the Mandarin and I think Whippy Ash as well is kind of goofy and comic booky that may not translate to... The thing is, once they reveal the Mandarin's twist, nothing comes of that. No. Just, like if, just a moment of go, comedy. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're done. We're, it's like, okay, we have to make this movie two hours. How can we stretch out this shot with him and Aldrin and the extremist virus? Oh, we'll have this random subplot that goes nowhere and gives you this resolution that nobody cares about. Yeah, they really didn't have to make it as long as it was. I think the movie was like two hours and ten minutes or something like that. Hold on, I have it right yeah. here. Two hours... Yeah, two hours and ten minutes. Man, I'm good. Uh, like, they could have honestly cut off like 20 minutes and it would have been just fine. You know? Um, yeah, I really don't know why. I, I don't know why they did that. I don't know why why they had the Tony Stark, um, James Bond moment. I mean, I guess it was cool in a way. I don't know. The Pepper Potts thing was weird. It's like, what? She's a superhero now? Okay, come on now. You're just being ridiculous. I mean, I guess well, I guess they were trying to make it like this cool, you know, girl power thing or something, but it just felt so out of place. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. Well, I, I mean, I think I, I think a lot of this feels out of place, and I think partially because I like I, I Man of Steel, I'm a fan of Man of Steel, and I've done, you know, it's been a year and a half, two years almost, of people kind of lamenting how Superman kills Zod, and that's kind of been a big talking point for a lot of people. And I understand why people are upset, but I'm watching this film, and I'm like, Iron Man is a cold-blooded murderer in this film. Not like incidental murder, not... He throws a hole through a dude's chest. That he does. And then... <laughs> and then, it's not like he feels remorse or anything. He's like, what is it? Walk away from that, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, he... <laughs> <laughs> he was all long like, hair, don't wow. care about that one. Yeah, he did that. There was the um, there was the um, chick he blew up. N- nothing there either. I'm like, he is. I understand that these are extremely dangerous people, but it's so weird to kind of see him kill with no remorse. I I, yeah, I definitely I mean, I did after, notice that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not the first time he's. I mean, he's killed plenty before. I mean, even in Iron Man, one he killed a bunch of terrorists, and you know, it's. It's not unheard of. I mean, I guess it's just more blatant in this film. Well, I think I think more more so than the being blatant is just how vicious and violent it is. Like it's, I mean, in Iron Man he does kill people, but it's more like yes. I mean, like we said, like we said during the Cinecast for Iron Man one, he gets Pepper to kill um, the Iron Monger, but he does kill some of the terrorists. But it's like he kind of shoots rockets at them, but should throw them up. But it's ne- it's never presented as graphic to us. Yeah, where we see. Um, the henchman with a giant hole through his chest. And we see the lady he throws up like, hanging off of exposed electrical wiring. Mm. And that's when it kind of hits home, like how morbid his his, his killing is in this film. Mm-hmm. And it's not the only people he kills. He has his suit. I mean, he phrases it in the most PG way possible, with, which is it, what, eliminate with extreme prejudice. Yep. And his suit's just pretty much kamikaze some of these guys. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they did. <laughs> so, I mean, speaking of his suits, um, how did you guys feel about the? I, I guess towards the end, where it was like just a smorgasbord of all of his suits showing up, and I, to me, it played like. I mean, and I understand they do this a lot with comic book movies, but it's like. You know, the whole, we got to sell toys, so what do we do? Let's get as many possible <laughs> variations of this action figure on screen as possible, and then, so we can, you know, get kids to buy these. That's, I mean... That was my same exact yeah. thought watching the climax. It's like, that's a toy, that's a toy, that's a toy, uh, that's definitely a toy. I might get that one. Yeah. And I'm like, this is nothing, like, it's a great idea, and it's, it makes for a fun visual, but my, the cynical side of me is like, this is nothing more than a toy to sell toys. Oh, exactly. I mean, but again, that's what they do, you know, they have, they do that a lot with pretty much every comic book movie, but it, it was, it was pretty blatant. For me, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I like, okay. it's handled better. 
It's handled better than Batman and Robin when they have those really strange um, ice suits that oh, they ran yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> like final act. Random suits. It's like, what, really? But um, Yeah, when did you have time to change? <laughs> but so, and then another, another, sure with the silver. Uh, another, another thing that kind of I thought was strange about the suits is that, okay, so he has this remote control VR face mask that he wears to control um, the Mach, Mark 42. And that's cool. Who's controlling all of these suits? Because he's not. He's over here doing his thing, you know, fumbling around with a gun Jarvis. and dropping, dropping pepper into, you know, balls of flames. So who's controlling all these suits? I guess Jar- Jarvis? Is that, I mean... Well, I mean, I mean, I assume the assumption is that some of these suits have built-in AI functionality. Because mm-hmm. he does give them a mission protocol to just kind of... Like, they target the heat signatures in their attack. And, like, there's no strategy. They're just bum-rushing yeah. these things. Yeah, and I think they didn't want to accidentally target Pepper at some point. Yeah, that, and that's kind of the point. It's like they just, yeah. they're just targeting the heat signature with no distinction yeah, between... Yeah, anyway. Oh. Pepper kind of destroyed that. <laughs> I, I guess it's kind of a cool preview into what he's going to end up doing ultimately, you know, with the AI and all that stuff. So kind of, mm-hmm. but then he destroys all his suits at the end, which doesn't make any sense going forward because going forward, okay. you would assume that he pushed further with his, with these, with this idea of creating multiple suits and artificial intelligence. But at the end of this film, it's like, I don't know. The end of this film doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like, you know, we mentioned earlier, he takes the, stuff out of his chest, he destroys the suits, it's like, it seems like a conclusion, but then we're supposed to believe that he jumps right back into it. I don't know. It's weird. Well, he does... Yeah, I mean, and it's short. It is different how he jumps into it. (laughs) Like, instead of of suits, he might want to just go for, like, he doesn't even trust people in them anymore, so he's, you know, that paves the way for future movies, possibly. I, I was also going to say, unlike, you know, unlike Phase 1, we are building towards Phase 2 with this podcast, so we don't necessarily know what is going to pay off or not. So that is one of the things I was wondering about. Like, we know Iron Man is in Avengers. We've seen him in the trailers. We know he suits up. We know he has other suits. We've seen the Hulkbuster. So I don't get the purpose of destroying your suits if you go on to bake new ones anyhow. Yeah. And yes, he also creates Ultra, but we know he creates these two new suits. So I'm like, why did you get rid of them? Like, it's not even like, that's not even what Pepper said. Pepper was like, oh, I don't want you to be Iron Man no more. It's more like, I don't want you to spend three days up building a suit. I don't get destroying the suits in that sentence. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. They, they really, it, it's so disjointed, the whole, and it doesn't really make sense when you sit down and think about it, like why he destroyed all the suits. But, I don't know. I can't even. I'm not even going to continue trying to explain anything about him destroying the suits because I got nothing. I I can't think of any good reason. And you see, I think, and 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 I always hate to sound negative because we're always going to give our recommendations. And I think for the most part, we've been pretty decent on these films. It's just like when we sit down to actually discuss them for this show. So much of these movies don't make sense if you think about them, and not even like deep thought. Like literally, like why did this happen? what was the purpose of this scene or this action? And it's like, it makes no sense by the end of the film. Yeah, so much yeah. of these films, in Iron Man 3 included, are, like, when you watch them originally or initially, you're, it's in, you don't look deeply into it. It's like, oh, this is super fun and, and entertaining and funny and cool. But then when you look at it at all critically, it just falls apart. It's like, what? Okay, no, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. What is this? Why are they doing this? So, I mean... But uh, maybe they're not meant to be looked at critically. Maybe it's just and there that's, to be a that's definitely that's definitely a good point. They're not meant to be looked at too critically. But even when like comparing Iron Man three to the Avengers, at least with the Avengers, you can say like the entire movie is so much fun that you can get past its its shortcomings. With this movie, it's a bit harder to do that because certain parts are fun, but a lot of it's just weird and awkward too mm-hmm. yeah and it's and it does feel like it's really shifting between many tones 
Um, we haven't mentioned this, and this is something I forgot. It's the only one of the Marvel films that do it today. It's like there's a reliance of the opening narration to be told by Tony at the beginning and end. It has a great payoff in the stinger, but it's like a weird conceit because you're not often told that. And usually, I mean, it, it, it's, it's something that Shane Jack uses. It's something that he uses to great, um, you know, great usage in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which out of this film is kind of inspired by. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also a film set at wrong Christmas time and stuff like that. And that does have payoff, and it does have these really kind of humorous characters who kind of pay off of each other in a negative manner. But I think because you're coming into a universe, a lot of this feels disjointed for an Iron Man film. And I think the other thing, and this is something we mentioned with Iron Man and even Iron Man 2, part of the trauma of this series has always kind of been how everybody interacts with Tony. And then you take Tony away from them for an hour in the middle of this film. And it's like he doesn't have anybody to play off of except for this new little kid who we're supposed to, I guess, feel sorry for because his dad jeffed him. Yeah. Uh, How did you guys feel about the kid? The kid was kind of annoying. But I mean, I thought he did well for a child actor. Yeah, he did well enough, but I I don't know. There was just something about him that kind of irked me. Yeah, I can't, and I can't even. I I wish I could explain it because like there are child actors in other movies where I can say, well, he did this and he did this, and I didn't like that. It's I I don't know. I I didn't I I I didn't feel like it was right. I feel like the problem with that is like his his stuff comes off from like a mini movie because like Tony's in town for the the second act and then he leaves and the kid is no longer vital to the plot. He has like two scenes after that and it's like at that point it's kind of forced. You, like one of his scenes is the forced humor one with the soup being knocked in his shed. Yeah. And then the other one is the you know his he gets a new half from Tony or whatever and it's like that's it. So it's like it feels like a isolated movie because it doesn't play into the first act and it doesn't necessarily play into the third act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. kid, um, I feel like, uh, again, it was a decision to have him in there because he kind of can, you know, this kid is, this movie is obviously aimed towards, you know, kids. And so to have him in there, the kids can kind of like see themselves in it and that kind of thing and, you know, connect to them. But I wasn't that bothered by him. The whole second act was kind of jarring. Like it definitely went off on this weird, you know, side road, um, the whole time he was in Tennessee. But I mean, the kid was all right. I, I, th- I thought there was definitely some funny moments like where the kid was like, are you, you know, are, are you going to leave me just like my dad? And he's like, uh, you know, he was like before that when the kid was talking about how his dad left six years ago he's like don't be a cry baby <laughs> you know get over it dad yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm more I more like Tony's reactions to the kid rather than the kid himself because you know the kid yeah, is point. using he's pulling up he's, he's playing all the cards that he has in his hand like oh my dad left me blah 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 and Tony's like yeah so whatever and it's funny because you know how normal people would react in that situation. Like if Captain America was there, it had been a much different thing. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 that reminds me. And I I hate being one of those people. Um, I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, okay, he doesn't call the Avengers because he makes this a personal thing. But that's not really the case. He just kind of calls out the men, and there's no reason why they couldn't call in Captain America. Yeah, to help know, out with the situation. But you can't. I, that 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 line of thinking is something that you just can't do because. Oh, I, I, know, I, I, I don't. Every I, movie is going to be like like Captain America: Winter Soldier. They're going to be like, well, why didn't they just call the Hulk? You know, you, you have to allow these characters to exist in their own worlds and then well, bring them together. Uh, to, when to be fair, Marvel was the one who set it up by having a team-up movie. But it was, it's, it's, not, it's not something that's going to come up with, and it's not something that's going to come up in Thor 2 and Captain America Winter Soldier, I will say. Um, because I think Thor does a decent job, because a lot of it is set on Asgard, and they're on Earth really quickly for the Trimax. Um, spoilers for next week, if you haven't seen Thor 2. And Captain America is another one that's kind of done really quickly. Like this, by the time the action kind of gets to the point where it's going to boil over, 
one, technically, Iron Man is retired at that point, and two, it's that it, it, it's done really quickly. Like, they decide to make a plan, they announce it, and the action starts. It's not like, okay, we have this plan, it's called all the Avengers, and then we'll do this. With this one, he calls out the terrorists. The terrorist attacks like three, a week later, and then he spends a couple of days in Tennessee. So there's a lot of time that passes in this film, is what I'm saying. There, there, there is, yeah, and I don't, I, think, I don't think Bruce Banner has any excuse, considering I think that after the Avengers, Bruce and Tony basically you know, are college roommates, so I don't know where he's been the whole movie. Yeah, but I know like Captain America, this is like some S.H.I.E.L.D. That. stuff. Yeah, but speaking of Bruce Banner, I love that post-credit scene. <laughs> yeah, you guys see it when he was, uh, That was a good one. Falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm not. Well, he's got asleep. He was waking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was great. Um, and yeah, I think it was it was one of the it was a funny stinger, and it's one of the few that really doesn't have any larger purpose. As far as I know, it's just kind of a cute thing because I know a lot of people are fans of the quote unquote science bros in the Avengers, and it was just a cute and it, it's really the only thing we've seen of Doctor Banner in Phase Two. Science yeah. bros is that is that a thing <laughs> that people? Yeah, that's, awesome. that's what they call it, Science Bros. I think they posted a picture of themselves with that the first time they were on set for Avengers Age of Ultron as well. Oh, that's cool. So, yes. Okay, just because I like to do this, was there any positives to this film that you folks want to discuss? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> I mean we kind of went off on all the negatives, but there are certainly positives. I mean, the action scenes were pretty incredible. I mean, the scene where they blow up the house, the scene when they're falling from the plane. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of really cool moments um throughout the film as far as action is concerned. There were some funny moments as well. It's just well, okay, this is just positive. Just positive. Great action sequences, pretty funny dialogue at times. Um that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's just it was so disjointed and, and odd that they just couldn't connect it all together well. But yeah, yeah, there's there's not much praise that you can put on it for certain plot elements, but definitely agree 100% that the action sequences were were pretty damn good, and the humor was at certain parts was funny. Like, genuinely funny and even even though it was kind of awkward there's this one scene uh in like the third act when tony is uh fighting uh killian's henchman after he just frees himself from the bedpost and he goes to shoot the last one and he just drops his gun he's like i don't even <laughs> these guys are so weird i hate working for them and he just walks away like that was great. It was really random, but it was hilarious as I watched it. I was like, okay, that's that's kind of funny. I don't know why it's in the movie, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a funny scene, and I do. I think that torture scene, which is a weird thing to say, was actually pretty funny with him. Okay, I'm going to kill you first, and okay, you're going you're all dead in five, four, three, two, one, and all that. That was funny. That, yeah. that was funny. Um, and what else? I was going to say. Well, I'm drawing a Frank. There was oh, I I like the running joke with the Iron Patriot, where it's like you just renamed War Machine. Oh yeah. And then, then like Rhodey's password is like War Machine rocks. Yeah. With two X's. No, yeah, with an X, all caps. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I awesome. do like that I, running gag. The whole War Machine Iron Patriot thing. Yeah, at first I thought they were serious about it. I'm like, really, Iron Patriot? Uh, that's pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's what he becomes in the comics. Yeah, I know, and it's it's so cheesy. It's like, come on, it's War Machine. War Machine is awesome. So, but it yeah. doesn't play well with the kids. Who cares? Which it, I think, it, yeah, of course it does. It played well with me when I was a kid. I was like, War Machine is freaking awesome. Screw Iron Man. I War Machine is what's feel, up. I feel like that was really a line from, that they probably put in for Disney. <laughs> like, yeah, War Machine doesn't sound too PG. Can you change it? And it's like, okay, yeah, I am Patriot, that works. Yeah. And it's already his name in the comic book. And can I just <laughs> yeah. can I just say one thing this, on this topic? Around the time that Iron Man 3 came out, uh, I, I received a Christmas gift from uh, my sisters, 
and it was an Iron Patriot toy. And I was like, okay, why'd you do this? Like, why'd you give this to me? They thought it was Captain America. What? <laughs> yep. Oh, well, I, no. see, I could I could totally buy that, though. And I was like, oh, nope, no. this is not only not Captain America, this isn't even like his sidekick or anything. Uh, this is Tony Stark's uh, sidekick. Okay, hold on. Are are how are your sisters adults or are they children? They are adults. Oh boy. Oh boy. I don't want to talk about that part, but I just <laughs> thought it was funny. Um, while we were on the uh, Iron Patriot topic. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess overall cool action sequence in this film. You still have it. <laughs> And some of it was humorous. Yep. Yeah. But what, I, what I don't like about the Iron Patriot thing is, are they just going to make this, like, in every movie that he's in where he loses control of the suit? Oh, my gosh. I thought that was so stupid. I mean, I feel like they really undercut the abilities of the suits in this movie and how quickly they were damaged and destroyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Um, especially, like... Oh, sorry. Go on. No, I was going to say, I just remembered one thing I, I liked, another thing I liked about the film. The Mandarin, before... The reveal, I thought I was like, "Oh, he's a good villain. Like this is this is interesting. I want to see where this is going, you know." But then, obviously, the twist, and it was like, "Oh, never mind." So yeah, I enjoyed the villain up until the twist. I, and, I, and I do enjoy Aldrin, even if he's kind of goes into the the twirly mustache. Yeah, it's just like how many times we keep seeing the, the same villain. It's the same villain. It's it's the science guy who's upset because Tony Stark outshines him or ignores him, and so then he creates science and then attacks. It's like it's the same guy from two. It's the same, well, not really. The same, well, it's kind of the same guy from one. It's like how many times are we going to see the same bad guy? Well, it's easy when you have the same hero. You have to have them be a mirror of Tony, and it's always going to be that evil scientist who uses his brains for nefar- nefarious and monetary means. Yeah. Like, um, but I will say, literally, okay, this is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I have to say this. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, go ahead. The Mandarin, the Mandarin Aldrich, or whatever, are literally the villains from one and two. The Mandarin is the terrorist from one, Aldrich is the science guy from two. That's exactly what, it's like the same thing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Me. I can't, I'm not, I wasn't going to disagree with you on that, but I will say that. I do appreciate that, even though it's like the same villain. At least, at least they're not in like another suit, and it's not just a suit battle again, like Iron Man one and two. Well, they two. didn't need suits this time because they were so powerful. They were the suit. Exactly. Yeah, he breathes fire. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's... Oh, you breathe fire. That was a yeah. good scene. I mean, I, whatever they do next, it's got to be something different. Like I, it's 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 just I don't know. I mean. Uh, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, this movie sold, or this the the the, the um what was the box office like over a billion, one point two billion. It's like so. I guess they really don't have to make it any better. <laughs> it's doing just fine. Well, I I was, I was also going to say. I mean, as of right now, um, uh, Phase Three doesn't have an Iron Man film. He's in Civil War, so you won't mm-hmm. get this same setup again. Hopefully not. Um, and we did this with Phase One, where we kind of talked about how everything was all connected. So I guess for this one, since we all work towards the end of Phase 2, what do you see coming back from this film in Avengers or anything? Like We noticed there's nothing from this film that factors into Thor or Captain America or Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But I, I was curious, do you, any of you see the little kid returning in anything? Yes. I, the only characters I see the returning little- are... Really? You think the little kid's coming yeah. back? The little kid, the little kid is going to be Spider-Man. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that's, like, that's, what? The, that's what they didn't tell you. Is that <laughs> that wasn't See, that was actually my... it was upstate New York. The little kid is actually Peter Parker. No, <laughs> that was actually my first thought. It's like it would have been so awesome if they had made him because you know they are saying that Peter Parker is going to be young. No, and you put it like. Yeah, you said Avengers three or four years after this, and it's easy. But yeah, it's not going to be Peter yeah, Parker. Yeah. But I'm like, what would you do with the pseudo kid? Like, I don't see him coming back. No, but you made him such a vital part of part two. 
the, part, part three, I should say. The little kid was just a ploy for them to connect to the the children in the audience. That's all that was. It's you know, they needed their um, I don't know what the term would be, but they needed that character that they could relate to, you know, and that's what he yeah. was. And that's that. So uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think he's coming I, back. But I didn't feel that the, 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 I didn't feel people didn't connect with the first Iron Man films because they made a ton of bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's but he yeah his role was negligible. I mean, so I don't see him being anything else. Um, as far as what's going to connect to the uni- the greater universe going forward, I don't know because they wrapped up Tony Stark's kind of his his whole issue with creating new technology. And it's like that's what causes the Ultron issue. So it's like it's almost as if it doesn't make any. It doesn't. None of it makes any sense. They fixed his problem, but now he has to have that problem again in order to do what needs to be done in the future. I don't know. It's all disconnected. It's all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. It's all disconnected. Yep. It was all a dream. <laughs> It was all a dream. I used to read a magazine. But yeah, um, that's Iron Man 3. So as always, do you recommend Iron Man 3? Oh, this, is a, this is a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I haven't think about that. Uh, honestly, I can go first if you folks want to think about this. I think I know what I want to say, but you can go first. I'll base I'll, I'll base mine kind of off of yours a bit. <laughs> um, and we, we didn't mention this on the show. We mentioned this before we were talking. This is really the second time I've seen the film. I saw it one time in theaters. I've seen it bits and pieces of it over and over again on HBO when I'm channel surfing, but this is the second time I've sat down and actually watched the film from start to finish. And part of the reason is it's not a bad film. I don't think it's a bad film at all. It's you know it's enjoyable. It has its good moments. But it's utterly, utterly forgettable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I watched it this morning right before recording, and I can sit here and not remember most of this film. I couldn't tell you what happens outside of a like, major beat. I couldn't tell you... I, was gonna, I don't know what happens to Pepper throughout the middle of the film. <laughs> um, I, you know, like there's, there's, there's a villain turn by the vice president, which is kind of random and just thrown in there really quickly since we had no relationship with the vice president before this movie. And it's like, it's a lot of stuff that looks nice, but none of it makes any sense. There's no substance. There's not even a disaster factor like there was an, X, an Iron Man 2, which at least made it enjoyable to watch because of how messy it was. This film feels like it's trying to do something that it never really achieves, and in that way it just makes it a very bland and unforgettable movie. And like we don't know what's going to happen with Avengers, but right now none of this seems like it's going to be important to Phase 2 or Phase 3. So, I mean, for me, it's kind of a pass. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a, a good uh, take on it. Unless, un- like I... Like I say, unless you're marathoning these movies just to marathon movies, I don't think Iron Man 3 is really worth the time. Unless you're just this gigantic Iron Man fan, just in general, and you just want to absorb everything Iron Man. But if that's the case, you've probably already seen it. So, I don't know. I I really... I think this is the first... the, The first Marvel movie that I just would to say cold hard pass on because yeah. certain some of the other ones i'd say like yeah you can watch it if you want but this one i'm just like eh i wouldn't yeah i i've watched the original iron man and i can't i don't even know how many times an untold number of times i've watched the second iron man a bunch of times as well probably not not as much as the first but i've watched it a bunch this is the second time I've watched Iron Man 3. I watched it in the theaters and never again until I had to watch it for this podcast. So that should pretty much tell you what my thoughts are on it. I mean, it's just, there's no, it's got some cool scenes in it. So I guess that's something, <laughs> but it's, it's just not, it's just not, it's not worth your time unless you're like on a, plane and they have it playing and you have nothing else to do but 
yeah, I, I would have to I would have to pass. Okay, well, it's it's so weird that we give this more crap than I, I think it's a better movie than Iron Man two and Thor. I, I just think, think so. though I don't I, I thought it was until watching it again today and realize you know it's really not it's it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my I, opinion, of course, I, you know. Yeah, which I it's just it's, I feel like it's the difference to me between uh, what was I going? To? It's the difference to me between something like. X Men Three to Ass Stand oh, and X Men One. I, I think X Men One is an okay movie. It's kind of boring. X Men Three is awful. Relax. Easy. Easy. But I think X. I think X Men Three is a bad, a terrible oh, movie. Oh, actually, yeah, but it's terrible. terrible. Yeah. It, it's a terrible movie in the sense that it's so bad that you get some enjoyment out of how terrible they made it. Like somebody got paid money to produce this, <laughs> and that to me. <laughs> Yeah. And that to me is Iron Man two and so it's like these are so generic to me that people <laughs> and where Iron Man three is like okay I can see what they're going for it just never really sticks to any of its endings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's I think that's so, a big problem. You yeah, I, I th- it's ambitious but fraud. Yeah, and and the fact that it it just doesn't deliver so late after all of these other movies and especially in the wake of the Avengers like there's so much potential there and I think that's part of the reason why I'm so like negative towards it is because you had so much you could work towards and it just falls short in the wake of the Avengers like you can bash on Iron Man 2 all you all we want but yeah you know it didn't have much to base off of yeah, and Iron Man 2 was fun. Like, it wasn't a good movie, but it was fun consistently throughout the movie. There was crazy stuff happening the whole time. I think the big question that I have, at least, for Iron Man 3 is, I, and I can't figure it out for the life of me, maybe one of you can answer it, which, um, which drug were the writers on when they were putting this movie together? <laughs> That's what I... I don't... I can't pinpoint it. I don't know which drug they were on when they wrote this script. Something. But I think they were bouncing like. between uppers and downers at some points. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I feel like it was. <laughs> okay, we're not going to go an hour. I'm going to start, start a whole different thing. alcohol. <laughs> I'm going to start a whole new conversation. But no, this this has been it for Iron Man 3. We will be back next week with a most exciting sequel to one of our most beloved Phase 1 films, Restore the Dark World. So, for Scott, Tony, and myself, this has been the Marvel Cinecast.